Okay, we're ready to jump into Leviticus chapters 20 through 22, where we are um, continuing the thought of um, coming before the Lord, and specifically we're going to be looking at um, uh, rules regarding priests um, with that, and um, then next section we get together, we're going to be diving into feast um, specifically. So um, before we jump into this section, we've only got three chapters this week to cover. Um, and I just wanted to check with uh, Elizabeth and with Sherry to see if there was anything overall from this section that stood out to you um, as thematic or anything mm -hmm. that maybe you haven't seen before, anything that falls under those categories. So, Sherry? Um, I can go. Um, so the only thing for me is that... Um, being the structural nerd that I am in the group. Um, so this is part of a section um, that refers to holiness. Um, it includes chapter 19, which we just did. Um, and it goes all the way through chapter 26. So this is like a whole section of the larger conglomerate, which which is laws regarding everything starting in Exodus and going through till the middle of Numbers, I mean, basically. And so um, this section is <clears throat> Leviticus 19 through 26 is um, about holiness. And it's sort of leading up to, it's like the last section leading up to the climax of the whole picture, starting in Exodus and going through Numbers, like we said, Numbers chapter 10. Um, but um, uh, these three chapters, um, starting with chapter nine, well, four chapters starting with 19, um, are sort of the lead up to a smaller, um, so it's the first three sections in a smaller, like, symmetrical structure or chiasm, where the center is the seven holy times in the calendar, which is next time because that's in chapter 24 so just FYI that it's this is kind of leading up to the climax which is about the holy days and then then it'll go back down the other side from from uh, the end of chapter 24 through through uh, through 26 but can, anyway can so you, can you repeat that yeah. just one more time okay. the smaller chiasm where you've got the center of seven holy seven holy days or times. Okay. I mean, some of them are longer than a day. Um, most of them are longer than a day. But um, uh, the seven holy days slash weeks would be Sabbath, Passover, first fruits, weeks, trumpets, day of atonement, tabernacles. That's the seven okay. feasts. Which is what we're about to get into. Which is what we will get into okay. in, 20, in 24. Okay. So these are the lead up. This is, so it, in, in, the, in the structure, A, B, C, D, C, B, A, this is A, B, C. Okay. Really B and C, more, more. This is B and C, 20, 2021, mm -hmm. 22 is B and C. A is holiness regarding the people in everyday life, which we talked about last week. Right. And now we're gonna talk about um, um, serious violations of moral holiness, and then we're gonna talk about the priests, basically through the rest of the thing, okay. leading up to chapter 24. Very good. Okay. All right. And 
Elizabeth, was there anything that stood out for you? Yeah, so I think uh, Sherry is rubbing off on me because <laughs> um, I did notice something not necessarily structural, but more like a parallel, which was mm-hmm. kind of baked into the structure between the end of excuse me, chapter 20, or no, no, chapter 21, mm-hmm. where it's talking about priests need to be holy, and it lists specifically if you are a priest with such and such a defect, you cannot come before the Lord. And I thought that was really interesting because it uses very similar to language, very similar language to the end of 22, mm-hmm. where it's what you're offering to the Lord. And so I really appreciate that kind of parallel structure between if you are serving before the Lord, you cannot have these defects. And if you are offering something to the Lord, you cannot have, have these defects. Right. Kind of thinking of that in the way that priests were offering themselves before God on behalf of the people. Um, and then thinking for us how, you know, we cannot have any defects when we come before the Lord, when yeah. we offer that. And I do appreciate um, something that this has been, uh, is still benefiting me, especially as we're going through the book of Leviticus, but also in just other readings that, you know, I'm having for you know, either daily reading or some other purpose is even though... Um, you know, like Sherry is going through chiasms and, and um, able to dig in a little more deeply on um, looking through commentaries that kind of really dissect sort of the Hebrew language and just different things that you just will not be able to get at a surface reading. But even still, on my, you know, what I would characterize as surface reading being able to see some of these parallels, some of the structure that even even without someone being quote learned, um, you know, the more that we are reading through scripture and the more that we're taking note of these things, the more those things are rising to the can rise to the surface, even for the most novice of Bible students um, and Bible readers. So that's encouraging to me. And I, I do appreciate you bringing that out. And of course, as always, Sherry, bringing out some of these deeper things that um, I do feel like, you know, kind of like when I'm teaching my kids, there's some things that maybe they're not grasping all of it, but I have faith that, you know, laying a good foundation like that paves the way for growth later and I feel like that's that's what Sherry's doing for us and I appreciate that because it, it very much helps and influences the way um, that I'm reading Leviticus especially but it bleeds into so many other places in the Bible so um, okay uh, my so overall uh, takeaway for me is I, I had I had to keep going back to this is the instruction for the priests because there were certain places in here where I would have questions and um, think, okay, well, I'm not sure what what exactly does this mean, Um, but then go back to, you know, who is this addressed to? It is addressed to the people who are completely and wholly dedicated to serving the Lord, Um, and and I want to be careful about where I draw connections to New Testament, you know, or modern, you know, present day application. But I do think it is interesting, you know, that we've, we've already gone through sort of the common man holiness, and now um, it almost seems like this is another step uh, or another layer of that with a priest um, that isn't necessarily gone into with 
those that aren't specifically dedicated to the service of God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that is that is helpful when we get to New Testament passages, especially in the life of Christ, of some of the things that the priest would be um, responsible for thinking through on a different level than someone who just comes to worship once a year and goes back. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Or for the holy days, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, th- those are all interesting thoughts to me as I was reading through. Also, the other thing that I I noticed in this, and I noticed earlier, but particularly on this, most of the things that are mentioned here, sort of already mentioned somewhere else. Um, so, it's like, and, and there's so many things that are like very specific. Like, you cannot uncover the nakedness of this person, this person, this person, this person, or this person, which is basically anyone who's not your wife. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't say just anyone who's not your wife. Um, it, it, it kind of reminds me of when, it, this is God talking to his children, so when we're talking to our children, and you say, um, you know, don't bother your sister. Okay, what does that really mean? Right. So you have to yes. say, don't touch her, don't look at her, don't, yeah, oh, sorry. Um, sorry about that. Um, so, it, you know, you have to go through and say every single thing for you not to do, even though they're sort of covered under the same umbrella, but, you know, this is this is basically God saying, you know, don't fornicate. Well, what does that mean? Don't sleep with this person, this person, this person, right. this person. All the things that you can think of mm-hmm. that that the people around you are doing, you know, don't come to me and go, oh, well, but it's not, it's not my, she's not my sister. She's just my daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> God's saying, look, here are the things. And there's probably some other things that he didn't put in there that are actually included in, under the umbrella. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, you can only mention something. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that's kind of the way that I took it. Like, okay, these, these are really specific. Like, right. But it's because he sort of has to do that. Many, yes. <laughs> yes. And then I, they would go, oh, well, he didn't say this, so yes. it must be okay. This one. You know, and so. that's, I, I will say, that is part of the encouragement for me in reading through Leviticus is the idea of, you know, I, I can get so frustrated looking around and going, what are we even doing? Like, it, are we even trying? You know, and, and like locally, mm-hmm. you know, get disappointed and whatever. But then I read through scriptures and I'm reminded, this is nothing new. Like, we, right. we've got to keep working. We've got to keep, you know, mm-hmm. like... God has been dealing with this such a long time, you know, um, and so it is. It is very, in a sense, refreshing to me that like we're in no new time here. Like we're not breaking new ground or whatever. Um, okay, so we are going to go back to kind of the old format of we're going to read through since this is a little bit more narrative. And as Sherry had said, we there's a lot of repetitiveness in the sense of it's been said somewhere else. It's not as repetitive of like it's in the same chapter over and over. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be good for us to mm-hmm. go through each chapter, mm-hmm. read um, read the verses, and then walk through each chapter one at a time. So I'll take uh, chapter 20, read through, and then we'll walk through the points brought out there. So Leviticus chapter 20. 
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. If a person turns <clears throat> to mediums and necromancers whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them, for I am the Lord who sanctifies you. For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. If a man commits adultery with, a, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. If a man, man lies with his father's wife, he has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have committed perversion. Their blood is upon them. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes a woman and her mother also, it is depravity. He and they shall be burned with fire, and there may be no depravity among you. If a man lies with an animal, he shall surely be put to death, and you shall kill the animal. If a woman approaches any animal and lies with it, you shall kill the woman and the animal. You shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. If a man takes his sister, a daughter of his father, or a daughter of his mother, and sees her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is a disgrace, and they shall be cut off in the sight of the children of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness, and he shall bear his iniquity. If a man lies with a woman during her menstrual period and uncovers her nakedness, he has made naked her fountain and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood both of them shall be cut off from their people from among their people you shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister or your father's sister for that is to make naked one's relative they shall bear their iniquity if a man lies with his uncle's wife he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness they shall bear their sin and they shall die childless if a man takes his brother's wife it is impurity he has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing to you may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nations that I am driving out before you. For they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall enter their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, for I am the Lord 
For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. A man or a woman who is a medium or a necromancer shall surely be put to death. They shall be stoned with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Okay. So, Elizabeth, we'll start with you on what you have pulled from that chapter as far as things that um, are worth making note of. So I think a lot of what makes these laws important is because they're distinguishing Israel from pagan practices. So you think, oh, you know, sacrificing your children to Molech and sexual immorality, those don't really tie together. But they really do. So you think about one way that people would worship Molech is, you know, sacrificing the children, making them pass through the fire. And God says in another place that, like, when people are sacrificing their children, he never asked for that. It, like, never even crossed his mind. He explicitly says, don't do that. Um, Same with, like, mediums and necromancers. Like, you're not going to call on God to conjure up your dead relative. That's something you would, like, call on a pagan god for. Mm -hmm. And then same with sexual immorality. Um, As far as I'm aware, I think there were a lot of sexual, like, rituals Mm -hmm. in pagan worship. So God is also making clear that he's not asking for that in his worship. Like, he doesn't want them to do it, not even in their daily lives, not in their worship, not in any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then not only do you not do it because God said so or just to be different from the nations, but because since the other nations have done this, that's why God is wiping them out. Well, that's why they're getting kicked out of the land. Um, so I really liked how in verse 22 it talks about that the land may not vomit you out. Because that phrase was used in the end of chapter 18, which is also discussing um, sexual immorality. And that's where a lot of this gets repeated from. So, it's very much emphasized that sexual purity and keeping yourself holy in that regard is one of the most important things that you can do as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, you bring up some really good points, and, and one of the things that um, is, in some sense, kind of strange to me, uh, you know, we've got sort of this balance of in its proper place sexual relationship when blessed by God is, you know, it, it is a, a wonderful and celebrated thing and it brings forth life, you know, mm-hmm. but then when it is perverted and twisted, it is, it is a uh, depravity. It is, you know, it, like you said, it will vomit you out of the land, um, which uh, that, that phrase in particular has stood out to me of, I do wonder you know, these nations that God has gone into detail to say, this is what they did, and this is why they were vomited out of the land. If he has set into place, look, you cross these lines, and, you know, you are, in essence, polluting the good things I've given you. Mm-hmm. You you cannot remain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, you mentioned this before, Sherry, about... Um, the phrase, you know, the the cup of wrath, you know, and it becoming mm-hmm. full, that kind of thing, um, kind of gives me that same imagery in my mind of, you know, it's just got to be spewed out. So, anyway, um, Sherry, what did you want to bring out from um, Chapter 20? Uh, I think you, you all covered it pretty well. Um, um, 
I looked at it as God would vomit them out just the way that he vomited out the Canaanites. Like, I'm vomiting out the Canaanites and putting you here. Don't you make me sick so that I have to throw up again. Right. Um, um, that I think, uh, like Elizabeth said, it's a general admonition to be separate, to be holy, to not do the things that the people in the land were doing. And I think that's why he mentions so many specific things, because these are the specific things that the people of the land were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's not who you are. You don't do that. Right. And even, I mean, it's it's interesting that he sort of lumps in together um, sexual immorality and cursing your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, really? Is that that bad? But it's, it's, it's not him putting everything on the same level. I don't mm-hmm. think that God's saying all these things are the same level of evil. I think he's saying all these things are things that the people of the land do and you're not to do them. Mm -hmm. And that includes things that you wouldn't think of as being quite as bad. As some other things, it's still, um, it's still when you're cursing your parents, it's like cursing God because your parents are, are in the image of God and they're supposed to be an authority over you like God is. And if you're Mm -hmm. cursing your parents' authority, then the next step is cursing God's authority. Mm-hmm. And um, so so um, uh, also just the homosexual act is condemned. It's called an abomination. I think it's the only thing in here that's called an abomination, right. which we have to really be careful about doing things that God calls an abomination. Um, even in New Testament times, if God said it was an abomination, He's the same God, so I can't imagine that it would be an abomination here, but it's not an abomination now. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will use this passage to say, well, you know, it's not any worse than cursing your parents. <laughs> well, this isn't God putting all that stuff on the same level, like I said before. Um, he does call it an abomination, and um, and he calls he calls the homosexual act an abomination. Mm-hmm. not a predisposition to commit that. So if a person has a has a, a temptation, that's not the same as committing the act. Just like if you have a temptation to commit adultery, if you're not committing adultery, then it's not it's not a temptation to do that is not is not grounds for divorce mm-hmm. because being tempted is what we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's not saying a person who has this proclivity is an abomination. It's saying a person who actually goes through with the act mm-hmm. is an abomination. And so, um, and I think so that that puts it kind of on the same level as committing adultery. Committing adultery is wrong. Having the temptation, you know, always there that, that, that Satan uses that to tempt you, is not committing the sin. Mm-hmm. It's just being a human and being tempted. Um, so giving into the temptation, that's where the, sins, the right. sin comes from. So um, I wanted to make that distinction. And um, I, I noticed also that he mentioned uh, mentions necromancers, mm-hmm. um, sort of. Uh, well, he mentions um, earlier, he mentions um, verse 6 through 8, using necro- necromancers. They're to be cut off. From the people now, I'm not sure what that means, right? But I don't think it means they're put to death, right? 
And so then in verse 27, the necromancers themselves are to be put to death. So it's sort of like the uh, not the drug user, but the pusher. Right. Um, yeah. You know, the person who's who's pushing other people to do it. Yeah. Is worse than the person who's you know succumbs to the temptation. So. Yeah. So. So the the only extra thing that I would add to that is in the very first section um, is you know where we've got the talk about um, Molech and uh, it was interesting to me that they brought out whoever turns his face from this um, and does not carry mm-hmm. through with the punishment um, and and again that's a thing we see throughout Scripture is being the watchman um, and but specifically this one. Um, if you turn your face from someone who is uh, participating in this, then you need to be killed, and mm-hmm. that is that's very severe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it kind of, to me, settles in the severity of what they were doing, and uh, and again, um, to what Elizabeth was saying, you know, this connection between uh, sexuality and worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with Molech, mm-hmm. um, it, I wonder if that's why a word like whoring after Molech. I mean, I know we've got other instances of, of that uh, being used, but um, specifically, if it's like, look, this is this is how debased you have made yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're just selling yourself to this. So, um, I mean, completely. So. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think what really makes 20 different from 18, even though there is a lot of repetition, is that this includes the punishments. So there's like that community accountability for if there is evil in the community, you got to get it out Mm -hmm. and you got to hold them accountable. You can't just kind of pretend like it's not there because Mm -hmm. it's going to spread. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so foreign to our modern ears, I feel like, Um, especially obviously stoning, um, you know, burning people, you know, all those things are, it's just horrific, you know, to consider. But I think it's especially because there is so little community pressure, so to speak, um, that we see, um, especially in our culture Mm -hmm. present day, Mm -hmm. it's so very much the opposite of look, they're not hurting anybody, they're yeah. happy, okay, whatever, um, mm-hmm. safe, let it be. And um, you. Yeah, you, you do you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah. the thing is, it's, it is, it's hard to, I mean, I feel like we, we do have to, like any other age, we've got to reprogram our brains to be able to look with the lens of God and say, look, you know, that, that may be our culture, but scripturally, we've got to watch out for one another, and we've got to love each other enough to, you know, either administer discipline when necessary, or hopefully, ideally, snatch that person back before it's too late. So, anyway, okay, chapter 21. Um, Elizabeth, do you mind reading that for us? And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the priest, the son of Aaron, and say to them, No one shall make himself unclean for the dead among his people, except for his closest relatives, his mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, or his virgin sister, who is near to him because she has no husband. For for her, he may make himself unclean. He shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people, and so profane himself. They shall not make bald patches on their heads, nor shave off the edges of their beard, nor make any cuts on their body. They shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God. For they offer the Lord's food offerings, 
the bread of their God, therefore they shall be holy. They shall not marry a prostitute or a woman who has been defiled. Neither shall they marry a woman divorced from her husband, for the priest is holy to his God. You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. The priest who is chief among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil is poured, and who has been consecrated to wear the garments, shall not let the hair of his head hang loose, nor tear his clothes. He shall not go into any dead bodies, nor make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother. He shall not, not go out of the sanctuary, lest he profane the sanctuary of his God, for the consecration of the anointing oil is on, of his God is on him. I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman, or a woman who has been defiled, or a prostitute. These he shall not marry. But he shall take as his wife a virgin of his own people, that he may not profane his offspring among the people. For I am the Lord who sanctifies him. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations, who is a blemish, may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who is a blemish shall draw near, a man blind or lame, or one who has a mutilated face, or a limb too long, or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his sight, or an itching disease, or scabs, or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has a blemish, shall come near to offer the Lord's food offerings. Since he has a blemish, he cannot come near to offer the bread of his God. He may eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy things, but he shall not go through the veil or approach the altar, because he has a blemish, that he may not profane my sanctuaries. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So Moses spoke to Aaron and to his sons and to all the people of, the, of Israel. Okay, thank you. Um, and this is where, um, like I was mentioning before, some of those questions came up. But I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Sherry and Elizabeth share their thoughts. And some of those may get answered on their own. Um, so, Sherry, would you like to walk us through 21? Okay, so um, it starts off with talking about what the priests can do regarding a dead body, which would make them unclean. Um, um, it, it, so there's a section where he talks at verses 1 through 9 about the priests. They are allowed to go to funerals and, and come in contact with a dead body of a close relative. And he actually lays out which close relatives. What's a close relative? Well, one of these mm -hmm. people. Um, and um, uh, then then it goes on in verse 10 to 15 to talk about the high priest. So the high priest has a higher standard. Um, he's not allowed to come in contact with a dead body, even if it's his parents. Mm -hmm. And so the high priest has to allow someone else to take care of that because he can't, he can't, he can't be defiled by a dead body, even if it's a, even if it's a close relative. Also, um, uh, the priests were not allowed to marry women um, who were uh, divorced or who were uh, had been prostitutes, assuming they're not anymore. Um, but the high priest was was not even allowed to marry a divorced woman or a widow. He had to marry a virgin. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, the, the regular priests were allowed to marry a widow, 
but the high priest was not. Um, and it just kind of um, uh, accentuates the hierarchy. The high priest is, is, has to be more holy than just the regular run-of-the-mill priest. Mm -hmm. um, and the priests have a higher standard than the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that just kind of accentuates that. Um, uh, and then he talks in verses 16 through 24 about people um, who is allowed to eat um, the sacrificed food, um, uh, but not go into the holy place. So it's not like um, he has to starve to death, but he's not allowed to go into the holy place. And there's, there's basically saying the same thing about the priest um, being unblemished as he said previously about the sacrifices being unblemished. Mm -hmm. Not that there's something like the, this person is sinful and going to hell, he just can't serve as priest. Right. Not that this animal can't be killed and eaten, just not sacrificed right. and not come into God's presence. And so there's, um, there's, uh, I think there's a kind of a parallel there, just basically saying the things that come into my presence are going to be holy. Right. And not that, you know, everybody's going to go to hell if they're not holy but they're not to come into my presence mm -hmm. if they're not holy. Right. And um, uh, uh, I think that, so it's not saying there's like some kind of um, discrimination against people that are dwarfs or people that are, you know, have a hunchback. It's just saying they can't, they can't serve as priests. Yeah. And, um, and because it's just accentuating the fact that God is holy and things have to be holy in order to come into his presence. And um, I think we'll see also throughout the rest of this section um, through chapter 26 an increase in the, in the number of times the word holy or holiness is used. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we talk about Leviticus being, the theme of Leviticus being holiness. Right. Well, this is where it's really accentuated in these next several chapters. It's about holiness, 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 holy, be holy, I'm holy, you need to be holy, right. and um, basically se separated, set apart from everybody else. Yeah. All right, Elizabeth, what did you got? The only thing that I would tack on to Sherry's comments is that um, just because these people um, with defects can't come into the service of the Lord doesn't make them like less than human. I think right, that's right. what a lot of people jump to and how these people are treated a lot of times <clears throat> but I think it's just that illnesses and deformities this isn't the way God wanted it to be this is a like a long-term result of sin entering the world is that there's yes. imperfections people are unholy and can't come before God so mm -hmm. if you have you know some long-term you know result of sin of course you're not holy to come before God so I just thought that was mm -hmm. um, something worthwhile to tack on. Mm -hmm. um, I honestly have more questions than good <laughs> thoughtful yeah. comments here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> specifically in verse 4, why a normal priest could not mourn his wife, could not go to a funeral for his wife. Mm 
mm-hmm. um, confused me. And then also when it's talking about the high priest and that he shall not go out of the sanctuary, I didn't know if that was specific to like not going out for funerals or if that was just a general thing and he's just always in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So if either of y'all had answers to those, I was mm-hmm. a little lost. I was just assuming that like he's performing his function in the sanctuary and he can't leave it to go do something else. Right. Um, Somebody cannot come in and sub until... Unholy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, so. that, that was my, my mm-hmm. take too, is there's no, hey, somebody come in and pitch hit, pinch hit for me because, no, I go you know, this, this emergency. Yeah. There's no getting the ox right. out of the ditch, you know, right. in this scenario. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are there until a certain time and then once your duty is off, then that's when you can, you know, yeah. be free to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's my, that was my that was my take on it. Um, there's a there's a um, uh, a Jewish tradition that I um, read about where when the when the um, high priest would go in to the holy of holies, mm-hmm. they would tie a rope around his ankle, mm-hmm. and that way, if he died. They could get him out of there because wow. they couldn't go in, and you know, right. no one else could go in there. Right. So you know, if God got mad at him and killed him while he was in there, then what is it, what are they going? I've not heard that. That is interesting. So yeah, um, so it's just emphasizing the fact that okay, he's he's in the presence of God. He's holy. Mm-hmm. He can't leave and go do something else and then come back. Yeah. And it's we had we had a similar um, instance uh, earlier in Leviticus where. Um, they would kill the sacrifices, and then someone else was supposed to take the the unclean things and take them out of the camp, not the priest. Because if he did that, mm-hmm. then he would be unholy, and then he wouldn't be able to come back. Right. So um, I think that's kind of a I think that's kind of a, a similar. I think I think that that's basically what he's saying. You can't leave the sanctuary to go do this and then come back. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. As to your question okay so you were talking about verse four and I want to say that was one of mine okay because I, 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 I was confused about this part as well um, he shall not make himself unclean as a husband among his people and so profane himself and when I was talking to Seth about that it it's like we're shifting gears from like you've got so the verse first three verses you're talking about you cannot touch the dead. You know, you cannot be in the presence of the dead, mm-hmm. um, except with the, these exceptions. But then, in verse four, he shall not make himself unclean as a hus- as a husband among his people. So, um, shifting gears to you can't go sleep with your wife and make yourself unclean. Is that that at least that was Seth's understanding there, and and that's that made sense to me. Um, he had a funny little phrase for that, which cracked me up, but, you know, we won't record that. It's, it's, <laughs> That's good. Anyway, because it's, it's silly. Um, but anyway, so, but yeah. Um, and then we've got, let's see, uh, making bald patches. I think, you know, this all seems cultural things yeah. that they would have done for the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot remember, one of the other questions was, is... It, like, I remember passages about, you know, no markings for the dead, no tattoos, this, that, and the other. Um, is that specifically for priests only, or is that addressed with common people as well, was one of my questions, because I could not remember. 
Um, and that was just, I mean, not that it's here or there. It was just a curiosity on my part of like, is that a specific to um, priest? You don't do this. Um, or if that was for everybody. I think, do y'all recall? I can look that up later. Well, in this, in this instance, he's talking about priests. Right, but, right. But there, um, I know there yeah, are other places. General, okay, I'll have yeah. to just look that up later. I found it. Oh, um, you did? Yeah, okay. so 1927, uh, no, 28, 28. Um, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. And in the general context, it is to that the does not look like it's to the priest. Yeah, yet, so that's everyone. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I was wondering because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I, I see it here for the priest, and I was trying to remember was it for the congregation also. So, okay, that was just yeah. a curiosity thing on me that you know stood out. Um, okay, so yeah, I do feel like specifics that not that I have to know, but a lot of questions like Elizabeth, which you were bringing up. Um, kind of stood out to me it scratched my head and that's that's what I was kind of referring Mm -hmm. to is going back to okay this is specifically the priest and you know not the whole congregation so there are some more um I guess I don't know if nuance is the right word but um much more specific uh specificity it seemed like in this chapter to me uh for the priest um and obviously that's that fits the pattern of congregationally here are the rules but for a priest, and as you pointed mm-hmm. out, high priest, like we're going to get a lot more strict because, mm-hmm. again, you're um, you're not just worshiping me from afar. You're coming closer, mm-hmm. and you've got a kind of stricter responsibility. And right. it does, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to stray. Again, I want to be very careful in how I, you know, bring some of this to present day or New Testament, you know, connections, but. It does. One of the thoughts that I've at least have a question in my mind, Roland, is you know, as we are preparing to become the bride of bride of Christ, if we are supposed to be, you know, kind of um, preparing ourselves more and more to become more holy, to to be able to come into God's presence mm-hmm. as holy, mm-hmm. you know, in that that final um, resurrection day, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those are the thoughts that were stirred. Uh, in my mind from that chapter. Um, Sherry, do you mind reading chapter 22 for us? Okay. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am the Lord. Say to them, If any one of you, of all your offspring, throughout your generation, approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. None of the offspring of Aaron who has a leprous disease or a discharge may eat of the holy things until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean through contact with the dead or a man who has an emission of semen, and whoever touches a swarming thing by which he may be made unclean, or a person from whom he may take uncleanness, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who touches such a thing shall be unclean until the evening, and shall not eat of the holy things, unless he has bathed his body with water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterward he may eat of the holy things, because they are his food. He shall not eat what dies of itself, or is torn by beasts, and so make himself unclean by it. I am the Lord. They shall therefore keep my charge, lest they bear sin for it, and bear sin for it, and die thereby when they profane it. 
I am the Lord who sanctifies them. A lay person shall not eat of a holy thing, nor no foreign guest of the priest or a hired worker shall eat of a holy thing. But if the priest buys a slave as his property for money, the slave may eat of it, and anyone born in his house may eat of his food. If a priest's daughter marries a layman, she shall not eat of the contribution of the holy things. But if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced and has no child, and returns to her father's house as, her, as in her youth, she may eat of her father's food, yet no layperson shall eat of it. And if anyone eats of a holy thing unintentionally, he shall add the fifth of its value to it and give the holy thing to the priest. They shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, which they contribute to the Lord, and so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt by eating their holy things. For I am the Lord who sanctifies them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel, and say to them, When any one of the house of Israel or of the sojourners in Israel presents a burnt offering as his offering for any of their vows or freewill offerings that they offer to the Lord, if it is to be accepted for you, it shall be a male without blemish of the bulls or the sheep or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when... Anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or any itch or scab you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as food, offering, as a food offering on the altar. You may present a bull or a lamb that has a part too long or too short for a freewill offering, but for a vow offering, it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to the Lord. You shall not do it within your land. Neither shall you offer as the bread of your God any such animals gotten from a foreigner. Since there is a blemish in them because of their mutilation, they will not be accepted for you. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When an ox or sheep or goat is born, it shall remain seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day on, it shall be acceptable as food offering to the Lord. But you shall not kill an ox or a sheep and her young in one day. And when you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day. You shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. And you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Thank you. Okay, so just a couple of things as we uh, go through this chapter um, that stood out to me and also um, kind of tying into sort of the rest of our readings and, and in particular, like you were pointing out, Sherry, um, this the last section, like 21 and the last of 20, where we're getting more into holiness, um, sanctification. So, um, so all of these sections, to me, th there's been a theme of, or themes of, do not profane my name. And there's a variety. I think didn't Alexander have sort of a a, a talk on mm -hmm. how you know just varieties of ways that that can be done. Mm -hmm. Am I remember that right? Yeah. Okay. Bearing God's name. Yes. And adequately representing that to people. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that that is the idea here of you will not profane my name by doing these things. And then paired with that is 
I will sanctify you and you are to consecrate yourself. So it, it almost like to me a trifecta there of, you know, these things are to be done and as a result, my name will not be profaned. In other words, you will be sanctified and this is the way that you consecrate yourself to be able to come into my presence so that I can sanctify you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, so specifically though in chapter 22, um, this first section where we have um, uh, verses 1 through 9, um, where we're continuing um, instructions to the priest specifically um, to uh, on the difference between uncleanness and cleanness and um, making sure that we are making a distinction here um, uh, that so that when they partake, they are partaking as a clean person. And I, I say clean in the, the sense of the definition God has given. Um, so... Um, versus the next section we're looking at um, making sure that that they understand no common person is to eat of a holy thing unless they fall under the category of being under the authority uh, either by a slave or a child of the, um, the priest mm-hmm. um, specifically the daughters there um, and then the next section uh, is being the offering that's made to the Lord. Again, as Elizabeth has pointed out, um, you know, kind of paralleling here, the offering, um, just like the priest, should have no blemish. Um, and 26 through 30, um, uh, that's such an interesting section to me because there are other places that address mm-hmm. similar things of do not kill the mother and the um, young goat or sheep in the same day. That's mm-hmm. And then I think later it's don't boil um, a young goat in its mother's milk. You know, there's just, there are those types of laws um, mm-hmm. that have to do with that relationship and I guess honoring that, um, that that's not to be, mm-hmm. those lives are not to be severed in the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then anything after eight days is acceptable mm-hmm. um, for an offering and then um, and then it goes back, it is just interesting to me, it's sort of a wrap up there in that last section um, of how God is to be sanctified. And and it, it seems like all these these could be looked at as kind of roll your eyes mundane, is this really a big deal? But God specifies, this is how I am sanctified. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is how you avoid profaning my name. So mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth, what were your thoughts on there? And then we'll end with Sherry. Yeah. I yeah I agreed with with all the points that you've made and then like I've said already that parallel between the offerings and the offerers mm-hmm. kind of stands out. Mm-hmm. You said something which made me kind of have this thought, so I've been trying trying to formulate how I want to say this. I feel like the way this describes the relationship between God and the priest is almost like a microcosm of God's relationship with Israel, where He has asked them to be holy, to keep themselves clean, to keep themselves separate from the nations around them, and he has promised to bless them. And then in this way, he has given the priests specific instructions for to be cleaner, to be holier mm-hmm. than the rest of the congregation, and he is providing for them in a different, more specific way, specifically with the, the food offerings that the congregation brings. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was 
really interesting because all throughout scripture, um, just even since the beginning, God has given us earthly examples of his relationship with us. Like when we talk about marriage and like you even said two minutes ago, the bride of Christ. Um, I think that is, it shows a lot of wisdom in, and design in how God not only has designed our relationships, but in how he asks to be worshipped in the old law as a reflection of the new law and his relationship with his people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so very that, good that point. That was really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sherry, what have you got for us? Um, so I had a question about the, this earlier, but um, when I was listening to Gary Fisher talk about this, it kind of answered the question mm-hmm. about um, the, the, um, <clears throat> um, the daughter's and when they can and can't eat of the of the sacrificed um, uh, of the sacrifices, the sacrificed food or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like what he's saying is he, when he says um, uh, a, a woman who marries, and I think this is the reason he's talking about daughters, not sons, um, a woman who marries a lay person, so. Um, and then, uh, uh, so if if a if if a priest's daughter, which is allowed under the law, a mm-hmm. priest's daughter can marry somebody from another tribe, but then she's under his household anymore, and so she's she's treated in the eyes of God as as being a layperson now because she's married to someone who's not mm-hmm. a Levite, who's not a priest, right? And so. And even if he is a priest, she's covered under his, right, under his law. Mm-hmm. And but a, uh, it says that if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced and has no children, she returns to her father's house. So it's as if if she has children, then she's still a part of even yeah. even if her husband even if she's widowed, she's still a part of that family because mm-hmm. the children are offspring of the lay right. person, and so. Uh, but if she doesn't have any children, she basically comes back to her father's house, and not, and she's so she's still, she's back to being part of the priest's family. So that you know, if she's divorced, um, th- there wouldn't be a situation in this in that day and time for a woman to be widowed or divorced and live on her own, right? Because she wouldn't be able to provide for herself. Right. So she would have to go back to her father's house mm-hmm. and so I think that's the, the distinction that that's made and of course the sons would be priests so that you know that would, they would and they would be their own have their own family and they would right. be covered under their rules so so I think that's and I I think it's a good um, just a good um, lesson in how uh, like we were talking about in the Deuteronomy class um, the other day um, about how God provides for the women um, in a way that's not really um, done was not really done at that time. It's mm-hmm. like providing for okay, the women are not just just um, possessions. They're actually people, and and so if a woman is in this situation, then you know you, you need to take responsibility. Care of her. Take yeah. care of her. Yeah. she needs to be cared for. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so those are the that that was the only extra thing uh, other than the fact that it closes with I am the Lord, which is what a lot of the sections close mm-hmm. with. Open and close with I am the Lord, mm-hmm. meaning uh, I am the Lord, not these other right 
gods that are going to be that you're going to encounter when you when you go to the mm -hmm. into the land. Yeah, I'm the Lord. Yeah, and I do think uh, I appreciate you bringing that out. One of the things uh, to uh, kind of well, very similar to that is you know the mention of the slavery and the provision there. I mean, that's not just a Christianity concept. God has always mm -hmm. said, you you know, you take someone into your home, you're responsible, and specifically to the men. And I do think that is mm -hmm. um, important to note because mm -hmm. I do think that's how he has set it up yeah. is like you bear the weight of this and you make sure they're taken care of. Don't don't treat them like possessions and you know, like they are they're they are people. precious and they are people, you know. So anyway, okay, next week we'll dive into some feast and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty sure that I can predict accurately that Sherry is gonna nerd it up big time and bring some really great stuff. So excited about that.